Thank you, Valerie. Hmm. Please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Would you join me as we ask the Lord to guide our time together? <clears throat> our Father, as we come before your throne tonight or today, we ask for your help to take and understand and appropriate the Word of God. I ask for your help to communicate clearly what is right here in the text. What you want to say to us. And for all those who may stumble upon this later on, for this is your word, and when it goes forth it does not return void. Thank you for the privilege that we have to have your word in our own language. But there are people, groups around this world that yet do not have that privilege. We pray to that end, O oh Father. We thank you for those who have heard the call, who have taken up the mantle and have gone and have learned a language put it into print, translated the word. Those who are on the journey of doing that. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege of being in a relationship with you through your son Jesus. Who left the glory from, of heaven and came to seek and to save that which was lost. We acknowledge we do not deserve that kind of love. But that's who you are. And we say thank you. Teach us to walk faithfully in the power of your spirit. In obedience to your word. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Well, some of you may have heard about the, the man who was going to, uh, to Europe for two weeks on business. So he drove his Rolls Royce into New York City to a bank, walked into the bank, and he asked for a loan of $5,000, and he needed it immediately. Well, the loan officer said, well, I need some collateral. And so he said, well, here are the keys to my Rolls Royce. And so the officer had one of his... Uh, the others in the bank go and get the car and bring it into a, a safe and secure uh, uh, parking garage underneath the bank. The man uh, gave the man $5,000, he left. Two weeks later, he walks back into the bank and says, I want to uh, close out my loan, pay it off. I said, okay, that's well, $5,000 in principal and it's $15.40 interest. He writes him a check, gets the keys, gets up and begins to walk out the door. And the man said, wait a minute here. He said, 
when you were gone, I did a little research. I found out that you are a multi-millionaire. Why on earth do you need a $5,000 loan? He just smiled. He said, well, where else can I park my Rolls Royce safely in New York City and only pay $15.40? There's a reason why that man was a multi-millionaire. He was a good steward of the resources that he had available to him. He knew how to take care of and utilize those resources appropriately. In our text today, in Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10, the Apostle Paul is talking about being a good steward. He employs a universal principle that we all know. And that principle is sowing and reaping. You, what you sow, you will reap. Now, most of us have at least attempted to grow a garden at some point in our life. We know that if you plant carrots, you will not reap potatoes. We know that, right? You plant a tomato plant, you're going to get tomatoes off that thing, nothing else. That's sowing and reaping. That's the principle. We know that horticulturally, but we don't always know or apply it spiritually. Now, I realize that some have used this universal principle to get people to give them money. There are plenty of TV preachers who are saying, send us the seed money, and we'll send you this, this prayer cloth that we have prayed over and blessed, and, and when you receive that, God's going to bless you a hundredfold. And they use that money to buy themselves a $40, $50 million airplane because they don't want to fly with the riffraff. Just because people utilize this principle for personal gain and misuse it to deceive people does not mean that it is not a principle that is worthy of our consideration and our, our putting into practice. The scriptures tell us not to be deceived but to put this into practice. Sowing and reaping. Follow along with me as I read Galatians 6, 6 through 10. He says, And let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially those who are of the household of the faith. Sowing and reaping. Paul is telling us that we need to sow with an eternal perspective, with eternity in view. That means two basic things. One, make wise investments. 
I'm not talking about investing in a 401k, though that's not a bad idea to do as we make preparations for the later years in this life. Talking about making eternal investment. Taking the resources that God has entrusted to us and investing them with an eternity in view, with an eternal perspective and purpose. What are those resources? I think we can narrow down to three basic things. Time, talents, and treasures. We all have a certain amount of time in a given day, right? We have 24 hours. Every one of us has the same amount of time. And there are things that are required of us throughout that 24 hours that we don't always have control over. Some of it is that, hey, we all have to sleep. Our bodies were designed to need sleep. And so some of us maybe need a few, a little more sleep than others. But some of that time is devoted to sleeping. Some of that time is devoted to an occupation that we've got to do to provide for our family. Some of it is other responsibilities that are laid upon us. Right? As we said last week, everyone bears their own load. We all have a, a particular load that is typical and normal for us all to bear. But we all have other time that we can decide what to do with that. Are we using any of it for an eternal perspective? We're investing any of it. How about our talents? We all have talents. Some of us have uh, certain natural abilities. And as a believer, we all have spiritual gift or giftings. How are we utilizing that? Are we using any of that for the kingdom? And then we all have treasures. We have an abundance of treasures in this country. When I was in, in seminary, uh, in my missions class, we had a, uh, a professor that was a missionary that was in the States for a time, and I, I, I never looked this up to see if he was telling the truth. I assume he was telling the truth. I don't even know how I would, I would find that out, particularly, because you can't always, can't always believe what you read on the Internet, of course. But he made the statement that 85% of all the world's resources are in the United States. What are we doing with 85% of the world's resources? <laughs> For the most part, we're consuming them. Rather than looking for ways to share those resources with people in other places who have very little natural resources. Why would God bless this country with all that so we can hold it to ourselves? So we can enjoy life and the rest of the world can, who cares? So the question is, how are we investing the resources that God's entrusted to us? Are we doing so as good stewards, understanding we reap what we sow? Verses 6 through 8 give us two ways to invest. The first is invest in the Word of God. Verse 6, let those or the one who is taught the Word share all good things with him who teaches. Now many scholars believe in all good things 
refer primarily to finances. The passage is a little ambiguous regarding that. Certainly in other places in the New Testament, we, we see that, that clearly taught that those who teach the Word of God, who have been called and gifted and who have uh, committed their life to doing so, are worthy to be financially remunerated for doing so. For example, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says that the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. And the, the context there is that's probably most likely financial especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So clearly the Bible teaches that a person who has devoted their life and has been called by God to teach the word of God is worthy to be paid financially for doing so. This passage is a little less clear about that, though it probably is included in this. Remember, the context here is that of sowing and reaping. So the idea is, those who've been called and gifted to teach the Word of God, sow the Word of God into the lives and hearts of other people. That's the sowing. They reap the all good things. That's part of that. Certainly, the greatest reaping is to hear the words of our master, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. This is, this is what we all long for as servants of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest harvest we could ever get for our service and investment for the king. But according to this passage, we reap. Those of us who teach reap the all good things. Now, what are the all good things? We'll get back to that in a moment. The emphasis of the passage is toward those who are taught. And what he's saying is those who are taught the word, we are to sow all good things to those who teach it. It's a reciprocal kind of thing. Some teach, most receive the teaching. So then they share all good things with the ones who teach. And so it is an ongoing thing. Now that word share is an important word here. It's, where it's, it's, it's from the same root where we get our word fellowship from. Koinonia. It means to hold fellowship with one another. So Paul is saying, those of us who are taught the word should hold fellowship with one another in all these good things, especially those who teach the word. Now part of that certainly could include finances. And I can tell you, it is an incredible blessing for my wife and I to be financially supported by this church so that we don't have to go get another job or I don't have to go get another job to support my family and spend my energy and my time pouring into something else that would leave me less time to invest in the Word and prayer. And so what a blessing it is that I can spend full time studying and preparing and praying and shepherding to teach the Word of God. But there's more to the sharing of all good things. 
fellowshipping, as we have community in the context of a local church. To be able to take what we're taught and begin living it out in relationship with one another. To encourage each other. To pray with and for each other. To walk through life with one another. Well, what is that immediate context ahead of this? What we looked at last week. Paul says, if there's a man who's caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Right? In the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to himself, lest you too be tempted. We ought to be restoring one another who are wayward from the faith. That's a sharing of all good things. And we do that in each other's lives. And the, and the, the body of, of Christ is healthy and functioning the way God intends. There is no greater encouragement that I could ever have as a preacher of God's Word and to see those who, who I'm responsible to teach living out what they're being taught authentically in each other's lives. Now, I'm encouraged like anyone else from a note of thanks, encouragement, and right, none of us can get enough of that. But when we are living out of faith, we're taking what we're being taught and we're, we're, we're allowing God to use that to transform our lives. There's nothing more encouraging than that. Let me tell you, I am incredibly blessed. I've said this before, particularly in October, when, when you are so gracious and, and generous. And I want to brag about you to my pastor friends, but I choose not to do that because I don't want to make them jealous. Because not all, not all of them have the same kind of reciprocal love given back to them. And so I just want to encourage you, be encouraged to know this kind of thing is happening in our context. Certainly we can all do better. I can do a better job of preaching the word. And we can all do a better job of, of, of applying it into our lives. This is, this is what God is calling us to do, to be enacting these things, the sharing, fellowshipping together in the good things. And as this happens, what did Jesus say? By this, the way we relate to one another, the way we love one another, by this all men will know. You are my disciples, Jesus said. Invest in the Word of God. And so we think about it from a financial standpoint. We ought to be supporting the local church, the local church that we're a part of. Because that's where we're being taught. We're being fed the Word of God. So that God can continue through those resources to spread the Word. And I believe that if a local church is doing what they're supposed to from a stewardship standpoint, then some of that money is 
is going out into the rest of the world for the advancement of God's kingdom around the world. There are other ministries that are faithfully preaching and teaching the word of God that deserve to be supported. Ministries like, like WCAs, the local radio station that provides biblical teaching as well as uh, godly music. And especially when we are blessed by it, when God uses it in our life, we ought to provide support. Maybe there's a somebody out there that you watch online or, or whatever that is faithfully teaching the Word of God and that you, you've been encouraged and blessed by that, encourage you to consider what it looks like for you to support them. You know, for the first century believers, whether they were Jewish believers or Gentile believers, this whole idea of supporting the people that bring the Word was a foreign concept to them. For the Jews, they were used to just paying taxes, and some of those taxes paid for all the ministry that went on in the temple, including supporting the priests and, and the workers there. So they, they never thought about giving, a will, you know, willfully giving something to somebody and, and blessing them because they have benefited their life that way. The Gentiles, they, they were just used to paying for all their services, and so the concept of willingly giving away something Somebody else. They could get it for free, man. They got it for free. That's what they were used to. <laughs> Let me tell you, the world doesn't understand why you and I would choose week after week, month after month, year after year, to write a check to the local church or to a missionary or to a ministry and give money away. You're a fool for doing that in their eyes. They don't understand what it means to make an eternal investment. They would say you're a fool for volunteering your time to do a ministry and, and, and to, to work and serve in something that you don't get paid to do. It's an eternal investment. They would say, bro, you're a fool for, for helping out a PMI and using your skills as, and to, do, to do drywall and doing that for free. Why, why would you do that? You could make money doing that for someone on side jobs. Make an eternal investment. Not only invest in the Word of God, we invest in the work of God. Do not be deceived, verse 7. And literally it's saying it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an imperative, it's a command. It says, stop being deceived. God is not mocked. For this principle of sowing and reaping will come to be. Just as you find in your garden every year. If you're going to sow in your own flesh, you're going to use all of your time, all of your talents, all of your energy, and all of your money to invest in what is benefiting you in this life, guess what you're going to get at the end of that? He says, you're going to reap corruption. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, heart, your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, 
What is important to you? That's where your heart's going to be. Wherever you invest your time, your talents, and treasures, your heart will follow. Have you ever wondered, you ever thought, man, I wish I had a, a, a heart for God and a heart for the things of God. I wish I, wish I had a longing to, to see these things happen. But, I, you know, if, I, if I'm honest, I just don't have that. It doesn't happen by accident. Jesus said the principle is this. Invest what is important to you in the things of God. And when you invest those things, the heart follows. See, our problem is we want our heart to, to feel it before we do it. Solomon tells in Proverbs, don't follow your heart or you will be deceived. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? What does the world say? Follow your heart. Follow God and his word, and your heart will follow that. Invest in the work of God. So to the Spirit you shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now this phrase, this term eternal life here in this context most likely does not refer to uh, what we often think of eternal life as in life with God for all of eternity. Because we don't get life eternal by doing things. We get that as a gift from God through Jesus Christ, right? Christ came to earth, gave his life as a substitute for ours, took our sin off of us and put it on himself and he satisfied the wrath of the Father so that you and I could experience his righteousness and life eternal. It's a gift and we receive it by faith. This is talking about the quality of our life. God designed us for eternity. God designed us for eternity spiritual things. Sin wrecked that. And Jesus came to restore what sin wrecked. And so there's a quality of life. And again, verse 7, God will not be mocked. You think that you can, you can uh, sow to the flesh your whole life and then maybe at the end, you know, you can just turn around and, 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 and now come to God. Now, you might be saved. There's a genuine mystery. That's between you and God. <laughs> but salvation is not the only thing. Right? Getting into heaven is just the start of what God has for us. There is a judgment we will stand before as believers. And at that judgment, there will be rewards handed out to those who faithfully walked with Christ by the power of His Spirit. And all the other stuff will be burned up and gone. Paul says, some will suffer loss, but they'll get in so as to fire. <laughs> But I don't know one 
born-again believer in Jesus Christ who at least has a rudimentary understanding of the fact that we will one day stand before God, give an account, and receive rewards, that doesn't want to get rewards. If we understand that, yes, God gave us that information in the Scriptures as a motivation for us. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because we have made decisions day after day after day to invest in the things of eternity. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. Investing in the Word of God and the, and the proclamation and the going forth of the Word. Investing in the work of God and what God is doing in this place, in this time. We need to make wise investments. Secondly, we need to make wise adjustments along the way. Said in verse nine, "Don't let us grow uh, lose heart in doing good. Don't lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary." The word lose heart was used of a, a husbandman or a, um, a gardener, if you will, a farmer who is tempted to slacken in their exertions by reason of weariness caused by prolonged effort. There isn't one of us that hasn't felt weary from pouring into and pouring into and pouring into somebody or some area of ministry seeing very little, if any, results. You wonder, am I just wasting my time? Am I just beating my head against the wall? Man, this is exhausting. That's what he's talking about. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up. In doing what is right, in doing what is good, in investing, in due time, that is in the right time, in God's time, when God sees fit, we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Actually, the word weary here was used of those who reap and who give up in reaping because they're overcome by the heat and the toil of reaping. The issue is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. So many times we don't see results because we give up too early. We wonder, is it enough? Have I done? Is this, is this, is this, is this really not worth it? And let me tell you, there's a lot of things we can do in this life that when you do it, you see the results pretty quickly. It's very rewarding to see you know, when you do something with your hands, a craft or a, a, some kind of a, a, a job, or you, you work with your hands and you, you build something, you, you create something, you, you paint something, uh, you, you perform music, and it, it's, people can be blessed by it immediately. And you can, you can see, you can reap the, the, the reward of that. Ministry isn't like that. It takes a long, long time. And sometimes the results aren't seen until we stand before our Master. 
I remember right out of high school, our church took a, a two-week trip to New Mexico to an Indian reservation, the, teen, the teens. And we were ministering uh, on an Indian reservation and doing some work in a, at a camp that ministers to Indian uh, children, Navajo. And we went and visited a missionary who had devoted his life to, to ministering to Navajo Indians. He and his wife had been there, I believe at that time, 30-some years. They'd seen two converts. Now again, I, didn't, I don't know them beyond just having met them. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know whether they've been faithful or whether they were just wasting their time. God knows all that. And I can't understand why somebody <laughs> would want to live uh, in, in basically uh, poverty in this country when they don't have to. So they can invest in the lives of people who also live in that poverty. And they're just playing games or wasting their time. I believe those people are making a, an eternal investment. The reward that they will see will come in eternity. The only way you can keep going in that kind of situation is if you keep an eternal perspective. If you are going to do the good that he's talking about here, investing and working for an eternal uh, uh, kingdom values, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to keep eternity in view. Because you may not ever see the fruit of your labor in this life. And so as we keep our eyes on the Lord and we do what he has called us to do, we are not as easily discouraged. And let me tell you, if you are feeling discouraged, because you've been feel like you're beating your head, you're trying to do what God's called you to do, and you just not see anything happening. Let me just tell you, step back for a moment, and first of all, ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I I, I want that person who I'm trying to minister to to like me, to to respond to me, to give me some affirmation, or am I doing this for the glory of God? Get some perspective. With God's grace, step back into it and keep going. Secondly, don't miss opportunities. Don't lose heart and don't miss opportunities. Verse 10, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. And especially to those who are the house of the faith. While we have opportunity, we should be praying for opportunities. God, give them to me. We should be looking for them because God hears and answers prayer. And thirdly, we should be taking them when we see them. Listen, you can't take every opportunity. You can't help every person. You can't meet every need that you run across and see in this life. 
when you can meet the ones that God calls you to. You can step into the opportunities that God leads you into. This is why it's so important that we are continuing to walk by the Spirit of God. So we know what He's telling us to do, where He's sending us to go. Let's do good. Again, what are the good things? The things that God is leading us to do. The things that are in obedience with the Word of God. To all men, to all people, to everyone that we come across. But especially, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, what did Jesus say is our greatest witness. They will know us by our love for one another. This isn't about, about just holding all our resources and just, just becoming ingrown and, and, and only concerned about each other. And, and, and there's a purpose. Do good to all people, but especially make sure we're loving one another. Because all people, all the world will know who you are. They'll be drawn to Jesus when they see Jesus in you and me. And they will see it in the way we relate to those that we're in relationship with. We need to sow an eternal perspective, making wise investments and making wise adjustments along the way. For God's glory, for the building up of his people. One thing I would encourage and challenge you to do. This week, ask the Lord to show you one thing that you can do to invest either your time, your talents, or your treasures into something eternal. We were given one opportunity earlier in the service, right? To help Brett at PMI. To go in there and to maybe take off wallpaper, to patch holes, to paint, to do whatever needs to be done there. To invest in a ministry that is reaching people for Jesus Christ and rescuing those who otherwise would never make it out of the womb. My Father, it is our incredible privilege to be able to come before your presence in the name of Jesus and to make our requests to you. Our request this day in light of this is, Lord, show us what we can do. For many of us, we're already doing things. We're already investing. For some, this will be brand new. For others, we may have gotten out of practice. We may have lost our way in these things. 
Maybe COVID has caused us to relax too much, to, to sit back and do nothing when there's much to be done. And so God, may you give us ears to hear your Spirit's prompting. There's more to do than any of us can do on our own. So you show us, Father, what we're to be doing. And give us the courage to get up and do it. Thank you for hearing, for the answer that is forthcoming. In Christ's name, amen.